the main platform is YouTube. The backup, the behind the scenes, the in the meantimes are on Instagram. And so I try to keep that busy with stuff all the time. We, we are repurposing constantly. Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week is all about YouTube. And I have a fantastic guest on the show, Amy Landino. Now, Amy is a best-selling author and award-winning host of Amy TV with over 20 million views through her successful YouTube series. She's also the world's number one productivity lifestyle coach and a leading authority on getting digital attention. And in her new book, Good Morning, Good Life, Amy shares details of how to start every day on your terms so you can get the life that you want. Amy, welcome to the show. Amy, thanks for having me. <laughs> Must say, I want to compliment your parents on choosing such a great <laughs> first name as well. <laughs> and yours also, absolutely. <laughs> No, um, and uh, you know it's so great to have you on the show today. So thank you so much. And it's um, very challenging times, as we were talking about earlier. So uh, very unusual at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so crazy to think about. You know, these tips and tricks. I mean, they really are useful at this point in time because I think online attention fluctuates no matter what's happening in the world. But yes, it is an extraordinary moment in our history, or at least in our lifetime. I know. Well, hopefully it's the only thing yes. that we'll go through in our lifetime as well. <laughs> um, but as you said, um, I think, you know, in deciding, do you go ahead with with content that helps people to create more content, helps people become better creators and then obviously provides, you know, great content for the consumers out there. And I think, you know, it is important that we keep doing this because never is there a better time to hone your craft of being a creator and never is there a better time to be consuming content as well, right? Absolutely. I think right now it's all about how do we, just like any time, but how do we make connections that are meaningful? And this is a great example of the fact that it doesn't always have to be in person and you can still do that. And and content, I assume content 10X and the way that you always talk about it is doing that at scale. So yeah. I think this is still very, very important. Um, and, and especially right now where the best thing that we can do when a lot of our economies are in a really iffy state is to just think about how we can support other people, especially if, you know, there might be some people, I'm not sure how many listen to this show who um, aren't working on their passion project, but maybe if you wish you were, this is a moment where you can get those extra hours in the day to think about it and start thinking, okay, well, how can I be helpful to people and start to explore this a little bit? So, yeah, I think it's extremely relevant um, because this is how we're communicating. And like you were saying before we got on the call, what if we didn't have the internet? My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that would be, um, well, I guess 
it would be a very, very different landscape, wouldn't it? Very. So thankfully, and and, and it, when we talk about this so, social distancing, I think um, it's not social media distancing, is it? And it's, it, you know, thank God that we have have that to keep in touch with people and everything else. So, um, and I think what we're about to dive into as well, video content at this, at the time, you know, when people are not necessarily getting as much interaction with people, well, not in any way as much interaction, um, there's nothing really really more engaging than video is there so I think it's a really really topical to talk about video content absolutely <laughs> um, so jumping straight in first question which I guess is quite high level for you but <laughs> um, why did you choose uh, YouTube as the content channel that you were going to kind of double down on you know, I, it kind of chose me. I started to make my first video in 2007. It was a gift to a bride. And um, long story short, I was like, well, this is cool. And that created emotions for the people that watched it. But burning videos on DVDs is not sustainable. So um, why don't we try to find some way to share this online? And that is literally how I found out about YouTube, because I didn't realize that that was already there as not only a content sharing platform, but social media. So obviously, fast forward, it's no secret anymore that YouTube is a hit. It's also much more socially acceptable to make videos on the internet than it was for me a very long time ago. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been really easy for me to stay consistent with it. I mean, you really just can't beat the fact that it's content and it's social and it's search all in one platform. Oh, absolutely. Um, and did you, so when you first got started with video, as you said, you know, it was a video for a bride. Was it more on the um, recreational hobby side for you before you started, um, you know, going more down the business side? Absolutely. It was 100% yeah. hobby. It was a creative outlet yeah. I didn't even know that I had. And um, again, so I found YouTube and that was when I was like, wow, editing a video was fun. I want to do that again. And it just all became telling stories through YouTube videos. It didn't even dawn on me until somebody kind of shook me who had a little bit more insight in the business world and was a creative freelancer in that world to say, hey, did you know social media is becoming a job. Like this is an actual thing that is benefiting business. And so I realized that this creative outlet that I was working on on YouTube and therefore like building a community around my silly little life was actually sharpening the skills of a trade that is now obviously a very, very big deal today and where a lot of dollars in marketing budget is being allocated. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were going to start today, had none of that happened and you were pondering um, what to, you know, say you were starting a business from scratch and you were choosing your content marketing uh, strategy, would you say today in 2020, YouTube would still be the number one for you? Um, y yes, <laughs> I think so. I mean, like it's, it's so hard to say, but I think the easy answer is yes, because my goodness, it look at how long it's lasted. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I do think attention continues to shift and absolutely anything could happen. So um, I guess, especially if someone's thinking about this right now and they're saying, you know, do, am I going to go all in? You've got to go all in and that takes time and it takes learning the context of the environment and it's going to be the case no matter where you go. So choosing the platform, no matter what it is, and if it's YouTube, then like I can definitely attest to how amazing it is. If it is, then be prepared for a really important 
um, consistency that is going to help you get to the level that you want to be. Because it's really hard these days to really just decide any platform is going to take you to the top or put you over the edge. Like you really, really need um, to be consistent and be helpful no matter where you are. But YouTube is definitely a good spot to be in. I wouldn't be picking like LinkedIn personally, but that's just no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for the for the videos themselves, before we dig into things like um, thumbnails and descriptions and YouTube SEO, but for the actual videos themselves, I think that when people are creating video for some other platforms, like going live on Facebook or um, like LinkedIn, that kind of thing, um, they feel a bit more like they can just jump in, hold the camera and and create that content but then for YouTube I think a lot of people feel that you know that must be a much more of a higher production value Um, and it sometimes puts people off because they don't think they can quite get that YouTube quality and they're more likely to pop something on Facebook pop something on Instagram so what is your opinion in terms of what the quality needs to be on YouTube and how the videos maybe do need to be different to other platforms You know, my actual opinion on this is it can be with any tool that you have. It's more, have you thoughtfully created it for the platform? That tends to be the issue more than anything. These days, um, you can totally use your smartphone. The issue we run into is I picked up my smartphone. I recorded this for Instagram and it was so good that I sent it over to YouTube. Fortunately, YouTube has changed to work with vertical video, but there was a period of time where that was a a pain. That was really awful watching vertical video on YouTube. But at the same time, that's not even the real issue. The functionalities that are there are great. Sometimes there are functions within a platform you shouldn't use, even though they exist. Did you create the thing for the experience of where you're putting it? And I think that's where you get to the heart of repurposing. Um, it's, It's really important to think of that. So from a quality standpoint, it has less to do with the right camera and more to do with what do we know about a YouTube audience so we can customize this piece to be something that they would settle in for and want to watch. Because at least in that scenario, people are thinking, I'm going to press play on a video, which means they're going to watch and listen to it at the same time in an ideal world. The majority of the places you're watching videos these days, that is not the case. You're watching video, you're not hearing it or something else is going on. There's a lot of different things in different places. So before you worry about the standard of the quality of the video, how are you actually planning to make a video that is specifically made for that platform? That's what I tend to ask most people. It's like, okay, great. You know what is amazing about going live on Facebook? You don't have to watch yourself back. (laughs) The amount I've had to watch my face and all the wrinkles that have occurred over the last 10 years showing up is a lot because I have to edit that content back. I have to customize it to fit the context and the cadence of how somebody enjoys a YouTube video. Facebook Live, it's a different standard. Instagram is a different standard. And some of them are actually... um, more severe standards than Mm -hmm. YouTube. YouTube is actually a little bit more forgiving, but that's more my concern is that you usually see 
better quality from a camera and a graphics and an editing standpoint, because there's more thoughtfulness that goes into how do we retain the attention here, especially because it's a, it's a platform that pays you to create. That's, that's a whole nother element altogether where you don't have very many of those still to this day. YouTube is the reigning champion of that. So it's really looking at this as, is this in the context of the environment and, are we paying attention when it's not so we can adjust? Because everybody loves to hear your podcast doesn't necessarily mean that in the middle of all your really helpful tutorial videos that are three to five minutes long, that if you suddenly uploaded a 45-minute podcast, they'd be all in. They probably wouldn't. It's not this expectation that you set initially. So cadence no. has a lot to do with it more than quality. And what would you say in terms of is the ideal duration in length for a YouTube video? It's really hard to say. It depends on, like I said before, like what expectation did you set? So I yeah. have a channel for my podcast. My podcast is called Detail Therapy. Why do I have a YouTube channel for my podcast? Because YouTube is the number two podcasting platform in the world in the world. It beats Spotify. So against Apple, you're looking at YouTube. People are listening to podcasts there. So on that channel, a 45-minute video makes a lot of sense because it's actually just audio. It's a podcast experience, right? Sometimes they're video, but most of the time it's just you're just listening to audio in a YouTube playback. My main channel, however, if you're getting somewhere close to 18 minutes, we're pushing the limits. And that is a limit that I've pushed over time that originally was three to five minutes. I wanted to prove, even though nobody knew who I was, that I could bring value in a very short period of time and that the business owners who needed advice from me would not be wasting their time by watching my channel. So the goal was always to have five minutes or less. That's what made it addictive and binge worthy. And now there's a little bit of a different um, approach to things, but it's about how you have offered something to the audience and really introduced them to how you do things so they know what to expect. Yeah, that makes complete sense, actually. And then just being consistency with the expectation that consistency you set. is very yeah. important. And, and and then, yeah, so jumping onto that from a consistency. So consistency in terms of exactly like expectation of what people will expect, what kind of videos, duration, that kind of thing. And then what about the the consistency of the publishing schedule? Um, so if you were to sit down with YouTube today, they would tell you industry standard is once a week. And so what does that right. mean? It basically means that the majority of the very successful people on the platform are posting once a week and they're nailing it at that rate. Essentially meaning we understand our series, we understand what the audience wants. And so we're going to knock it out of the park that amount of time. Not until you have really figured out, like I said, cadence and what the audience wants. Do you maybe entertain a different, another series or a second episode a week, et cetera. So once a week, you could do really, really well on YouTube. And that's not the case with most other social platforms. If you post once a week and you actually do a really good job of not only really understanding what the video environment needs to be like for the viewer, but then promoting it like crazy so that the algorithm can start to see what's going on with the content and potentially find ways to help promote it for you. That's really cool. Meanwhile, you know, there's a lot of creators. I mean, I'm one of them. I like to create a lot of content. I don't post once a week sometimes. I'm posting three times a week sometimes. It just depends on what I have going on. Um, but if you think about that standard 
not always having to be the case and how much time you could get back in creating something better or spending more time promoting it, there's a really good case for posting less often. And think of all the other things you could be doing. You could be creating smaller versions of it for Instagram to do a better job of promoting it or do a live stream to ask people what they want to see on that platform so that when you make a piece, people already asked you for it. So there's a lot of different ways you can make lots more content and it supports that main hub of where you're publishing, which makes the one time a week schedule on YouTube make a lot of sense. But no matter what you do from a scheduling standpoint, it's like going to coffee with your friend. If you tell your friend you're going for coffee three times a week and you guys made that commitment together, you don't want to not be at the coffee shop when they meet you there. That's just kind of annoying. And then after a while, you just don't meet them for coffee anymore because they're unreliable. So if it's once a week and you always show up for that coffee once a week, I mean, that's just something people remember. Yeah, exactly. People will be fickle. If you don't turn up, then they'll find someone else very quickly. Won't they? Sure. <laughs> so. they, they will very instantly yeah. find someone else because yeah. the algorithms will make it happen. Exactly. Um, uh, so you, you jumped into something there when you were um, talking about promotion, which is something I really want to dig in with you, which is around um, the promotion and repurposing. So you, you said about, you know, you could make a smaller video and share that on Instagram. You could talk about that in different locations. And that's what, you know, we kind of really focus on this show is um, teaching people how to create really great original core content. So that wonderful YouTube video and, and on, understand the platform and, and create quality. But then how do you then repurpose quality for that, for promotion and reaching people in different places? So um, what are your go-to promotion and repurposing type um, tactics for your uh, YouTube videos? Well, you kind of have to look at where are your supporting social platforms or any platforms really. Like what, if you know your audience really well and there's one home base that you kind of have with them, where else are they hanging out with you? Um, Twitter used to be that space for me in a really big way because um, inherently Twitter was a really good place to have conversations with YouTubers. And that's still the case in a lot of situations. If you look up somebody that has a great YouTube channel, there's a strong chance that they will do sort of their PSAs, conversations, press release type of things on a, on a Twitter account. But it's really hard to say um, that it is what it used to be. And um, Instagram has quickly become that in a lot of ways. So that's our top priority um, for everything that we do, especially with my audience. The main platform is YouTube. The backup, the behind the scenes, the in the meantimes are on Instagram. And so I try to keep that busy with stuff all the time. We, we are repurposing constantly. I have an entire dedicated album in my iPhone, in my photos of graphics that my graphic designer has made that are custom to any content I've already created. So as soon as a YouTube video goes out, it goes into a Trello board and she sees it. She sees what the video is. She pulls in some photography from me. She grabs some of her own stuff and she makes a graphic for me to just keep in my phone anytime I want to promote that video. And it's just a different kind of way to promote it when we in-house already have lots of video assets we can repurpose in order to do that. My video editor at the moment a video goes live will create Instagram story assets for me of actual video footage teasing what the video is about so that we can encourage people to swipe up and go watch 
watch it. Here's the reality. There's not a lot of crossover there. Like you're not going to see a ton of traffic come from social because those social platforms are so fun to be on by themselves that they not decide they want to disrupt that and go see the content. But regardless, you have attention because you're reminding people you have a regular show, you're creating content here. There's always something to look at. So the goal is even if you publish just once a week or twice a week on YouTube, that you've always got something else going on in these other social platforms. And Instagram just makes that really easy. On Twitter, the algorithm helps. If you tweeted something a day ago and it's doing really well, it'll probably be at the top of the feed and you didn't have to tweet a million times in order for that to be the case. But on Instagram, where it's like you can see if you're engaging an audience based on whether or not your post is still kind of trending on the feed or your stories haven't died yet, it's, it's just very easy to measure that that stuff is happening. So um, there's a lot of ways, I think, to repurpose there. Uh, and we, right, even just today, before I got on this call, we were going through a bunch of videos. I just, uh, every once in a while, I'll task my, uh, my team and I'll say, hey, I've made like thousands of videos. Go back through the ones that pique your interest. Find sound bites of things that seem interesting because then let's just make a mini video of it to post on IGTV or Instagram stories. Even if it doesn't point people back to the original piece of content, it's building my brand and my thought leadership and keeping me memorable for things that maybe somebody never saw when I posted in April of 2018. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's being front of mind and it's having that quality content to share on those platforms as well, isn't it? And like you said, brand awareness, brand equity and, and everything, but from the hard work that was already put into the original content. So it's not reinventing the wheel all the time with new right. different Instagram specific videos. Um you mentioned IGTV. Do you because you, some of your videos you said there they're quite short. You said that you have videos that are kind of three to five minutes for your channel. Um, do you put the whole video on IGTV? Um, not entirely because no. the video has been contextually built for YouTube. Yeah. So on IGTV, what we tend to do, um, just like, I mean, this is going to get super in the weeds, like real quick. <laughs> so basically for YouTube, we do a little teaser, then we do a title sequence, and then I kind of do my intro. Um, and then there might be a little bit of, bit of banter with that, not too much. But then if it's a listicle, let's say it's like seven tips for XYZ thing, it's much better for IGTV if we just jump into the seven tips. So we will typically shave off at least the beginning of that video, if not some of the end as well, so that we can really just focus the content specifically for IGTV because they just don't have the same patience. They can keep swiping. And for that matter, IGTV to me is still continue, continually arguable. I don't mm -hmm. think IGTV is like the next YouTube at all. I think it's nice because you can link to things and it makes the experience a little bit better for a creator to be able to point people to things, to click on things. But I don't think it's attracting as much attention as stories is, but it's still nice to do. I mean, we have content that goes really well in an IGTV space. If people are just swiping through and they want seven hot tips for working from home right now, because they have no idea how to do it whatsoever. That's a great thing to see while you're just on a scroll, which is what I like to say. We're on a scroll. Yeah. So <laughs> That's, I mean, that to me, it's, it's always, always, always about context. 
How do we make sure that we, if we are going to repurpose something, we're not just dusting it off and basically copy pasting it to wherever we're going to go. There's got to be captions involved. There's got to be reformatting involved. We, we might have to recenter the entire video to make sure my face doesn't leave the screen if we widen it to vertical. There's a lot of things that have to go into it. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, just music to my ears because that's, you know, that's everything that I always preach, which is that repurposing is never just republish on another place, copy and paste. Mm. Everything has to be absolutely um, perfect for that platform. And as you said, you know, we we painfully often go through um, changing almost every frame of some of the videos. We move from one platform to another to make sure everything is in the right position. And like I said, captions, no captions, things like that. And um, I agree with you on IGTV, by the way. I think um, things opened up when they allowed you to post on it and put the first one minute as a preview in the post. Mm -hmm. Because definitely we saw a big jump in people then if they liked that first minute sticking around and and then all of a sudden they found themselves on IGTV, but they didn't go there uh, deliberately. They were on Instagram and then ended up over there. And and that tease I think is mm, super smart. Yeah. It's kind of a pain point for us right now because we use a third party tool called Planoly to schedule Mm. the grid for Instagram and the grid does not recognize IGTV previews. So if you want to leave a preview on the grid, it's kind of unfortunate because Planoly doesn't recognize it. And so you can't really plan your grid accordingly. This is super Instagram-y in the weeds now, but like (laughs) stuff like that, we have to think about as creators. And I'm like, well, great. Like now that preview is only as good as the IGTV is for um, getting the attention immediately. Now we're going to archive it because otherwise our planning is completely off and um, that's annoying. But yeah, I think IGTV is very special for that feature and the fact that you can link to things in a description if the viewers can find it. A lot of them can't Mm -hmm. even find that description, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they make that better because there's only so much you can overcomplicate Instagram before you completely destroy it. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step guides and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. With YouTube, I think what I what, what fascinates me is that where you you know exactly what somebody wants to find out when they find you on YouTube because it's a search engine and so they have 
search field and then you come up so you are directly answering a question for somebody whereas social obviously they're they're there for completely different purposes and it's you know you need to kind of pull them in and that thing may not be on their mind and it may not be of any interest to them but youtube you absolutely know what that person is thinking and you're putting that content in front of them but then i guess that comes into YouTube SEO and being found standing out and them choosing you as the answer, answerer, is that a word? Answerer, <laughs> answerer <laughs> of that question. Um, so YouTube SEO and and creating videos with more very specific purposes to help people um, and then getting that perfect description and thumbnail and all of that. Um, what what are your kind of top tips on that? Maybe starting with the, the thumbnail. So how important is the YouTube thumbnail? Excellent question. It is vitally important. Yeah. I mean, the, the thumbnail is on YouTube for the most part, you know, bar any additional features that are now available and mobiles a little bit different. Now, when you first see a YouTube video, the visual decision-making process is the thumbnail. In addition to the fact that you just read a title. So you're trying to decide based on those two things, whether this is the right option for you when you're searching for something, when you're referred by something. Um, so that's really important. Now, again, mobile has started to do this thing where it'll just play the video for you with no audio, which is similar to Instagram and Facebook. Um, and there's also, if you're on desktop, it'll start doing this like GIF movement thing if you highlight a video to see if you want to watch it. But for mm. the most part, the thumbnail is really, really, really important. I think the biggest tip I have for that is no matter what you do, there are little things like a human face taking up half or a third of the thumbnail is going to do better than your entire body. Probably, you know, you're just trying to get somebody to relate, relate to you really quickly. You might be able to use copy on your thumbnail and um, have that help make that decision-making process move forward. But to me, the biggest thing is when you design a thumbnail, you need to shrink it down to the smallest pop possible size when you are done to see if it's something you would still click on. Because we tend to fill the space of the thumbnail a little bit too much when we go crazy in the canvas and the pick monkeys of the world. And we forget that someone might see that photo on a phone that's really small. And if they can't read what you wrote or they can't figure out exactly what's going on, they might not click on it, even though the, the title is on the spot. You need both of them to really help you. So that's honestly, no matter what you decide to do with your thumbnails, shrink it down to the smallest size you can to judge it when you're completing a design so that you can say, do we still understand what's going on here? Can we still read it? Can we still see what's happening? Would we still click on this for the same reason if we were looking at it in an enlarged state? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes so much sense. And and also, I think when you're coming up with your, your video title, um, a lot of people then put the entire title onto the thumbnail, don't you? But yeah. you, know, you do not need to do that, do Why? you? Why? I mean, we did yeah. it already. <laughs> it's, it's So here's how I think of it. And I was going to say it earlier, but I'm glad you just said this because it, it makes it easier to understand. To me, you can use copy on the thumbnail as human SEO, where the title is the search bar SEO, and it really is the actual search engine optimization that has to happen. When you say, you know, how to wake up at 5 a.m., that's a great title. But then when you're thinking, what am I going to put in the thumbnail that's going to, you know, help people who are, are really not sure if this is going to be a great video for them, maybe the copy to put there would be, even if you're not a morning person, 
because now I'm looking at this very differently. I'm like, okay, well, I need 5 a.m. helping videos. The one with the thumbnail that helps me make a human decision of whether or not to click on it is the one that's going to be, I'm not a morning person. Give me those tips. That's the video that's right for me. So that's what I mean by human SEO. What copy can you put on the thumbnail that isn't too much so it doesn't fill up the entire space and actually make somebody think, oh, shoot, that looks interesting. Not because it was exactly what they typed, but because you knew what they really wanted. Yeah, it's a, it's like a balance in the art and the science, isn't it? Of um, the science of SEO for the description, but the art of thumbnails and what people think and and drawing them in when you when you've got them. <laughs> um, so, how do you? Um, what would your tips be then of? Uh, actually getting the right title and the right description so that you do appear and then your thumbnail can can get them with the right um attraction but how do you get the the right description and descri- description and title um there's so many tools available these days for that kind of thing i highly recommend tubebuddy um they have i've been a partner with them for a really long time um they have really great free options with their tool you don't have to upgrade but if you upgrade there's a lot of amazing helper tools in that it'll even help you with the thumbnail in particular but the critical thing i think people need to start with is figuring out just what are they trying to do what are they trying to help with in this video so that they can go to a tool like tubebuddy and say, okay, I think people need help waking up at 5 a.m. What's the exact way I should phrase this in a title? What's the what's the exact way I should do this to target a certain demographic about this topic? Um, that's a big thing. What I like about TubeBuddy is they will tell you, listen, that's fine if you want to make this video, but there's a lot of competition for it. So we're not really advising it. We would advise you do something a little bit more niche and they can help you kind of find that with their scoring process. And they'll give you the tags you need to use and the keywords that you should see in the description. As long as you use them in sentences, that's YouTube legal. So that's fine. Um, and, and that'll help you figure out what keywords really need to be the focus of this piece of content, because that means it needs to be in the title, the description and the tags, just to make sure that it's 100% covered. And do you, when you're planning out your content for the next, you know, month or so, and you're trying to decide what to create, do you start with SEO research? I mean, we really start with the best idea possible and then it becomes, okay, this is a really good idea, but then how do we phrase it in a way that is interesting to people? Um, Sometimes we try to solve problems and we put the solution in the title and it turns out somebody maybe didn't even think they had that problem in the first place. And we're trying to, we're trying to give them the cake that they want, but what we're actually trying to serve them is the broccoli. We need to show them the cake. And then it's like, oops, sorry, there's a little bit of broccoli in this cake. It's like the worst analogy of all time, but it works for me because (laughs) reality is like what you are giving them is so good for them. Like broccoli is so good for them, but they need to not know it's there yet. They need to see what they're actually thinking about top of mind to them. So when I'm trying to figure out how to, how to help people with something, I know I have an amazing solution, but I have to think about what their problem is right now 
that's going to help them even care about that solution. I've got to meet them where they are. So it's a little bit um, of both ideation and SEO from the start, because you're really trying to frame what you're doing in a way that somebody in your somebody who doesn't even know you potentially, or maybe they do, is going to make them stop in their scrolling and decide to watch your piece. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know exactly what you mean, because that's happened to me many times where I've thought that I had, you know, a, say a particular problem and I've been drawn into a video. But then as I've watched it, I've realized that they've explained something that I didn't even realize was a problem based on that first, you know, um, reason that I came to them. And then it's like, wow, but I wouldn't have searched for that. But I found that because they were clever enough to kind of hook me in on maybe you the don't lay person's who view. Those people <laughs> no, are. you don't. Like now now you're like, wow, I didn't think yeah. of it that way. Like you are enlightening me. You are not just yeah. creating some click worthy piece of content with absolutely no substance whatsoever. You're just trying to make me see the big picture. That is an indication of a very strong expert thought leader and content creator. Yeah, I know. And you, like you said, you do not forget. And, and then that's when you start to binge and, and follow them mm -hmm. everywhere and become the fan. Yeah. So um, what would your um, tips be for um, people who, so businesses using video for content marketing, putting their videos onto YouTube and trying to grow that subscriber base and following on YouTube, but ultimately their end goal is to get people off YouTube and you know, then, then onto that landing page or the, or the sales page or just their website. So kind of that migration to the business site that people may try to do on YouTube. So it's, it's very important for you to do that because when you know why you're doing something, then it's a lot easier to figure out what this funneling looks like. But you also have to remember something else is that you asking, I just want to paint a picture. You went to a party and there's, thousands of people at this party and it's a great party, but somebody else is hosting it and YouTube is the host of that party, right? So you go into this party, you have a great conversation, you introduce something super interesting and then you say to those people, hey, isn't this fun? Aren't I smart? Now I want you to come to my party. So that's fine. You can do that. You probably will compel some people to go to your party. And then they go back to your party. It's like the after party. It's like super low key. Like, that's cool. This is where you got that PDF download. It's awesome, right? That's cool. But the reality is that when YouTube, the host, invited you to your their party, and then you ask people to leave their party to go to someone else, your own party, that is something they watch. So it's not that they're mad about it. It's just that if you are always going to their party to poach party goers, then that's not going to be good for your reputation and your rapport with YouTube. Now, that being said, if you're just a great guest a lot of the time and every once in a while you have an after party, no big deal. But when you make content, you start a session on youtube.com, somebody watches your video and enjoys it, but then decides to leave the platform, you're messing with their business model. Mm. And they don't love that. They want people to stay. They want people to click on ads. They want people to continue to watch hours and hours and hours and hours of YouTube. So you have to understand there's a balance. When you are asking people to leave, you've got to do that in a very intentional way. And if you do it every time, you're not going to be able to grow a channel, period.
you have got to encourage the binge mentality. Now, that being said, Mm -hmm. you can still win over everybody that's watching and say, you know, if you really want to support this channel, make sure you subscribe and comment. Also, this time around, I've got a printable download for you in case you would like all of this summarized. That link is in the description below. That is going to end their YouTube session, but it's worth it for businesses who are trying to figure out how to convert this attention into something real. You do need to make that decision on a regular basis, but you also have to be respectful when you are on someone else's turf that you may not get as much attention as you could have any organic party goers who could have come your way because YouTube's like, you got to meet, you got to meet Amy. Oh my gosh. She's always so much fun at these parties. You've got to go see her stuff. Go see her stuff. It's not going to happen as often because they know you end sessions and everyone who's ever measured their analytics on you on, on a website knows we don't like to see ended sessions. I I love that analogy so much about the the, the poacher at the party. It's such a good analogy. And um, I I was thinking that, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, think that the killer is putting descriptions because on social media, you know, some platforms in particular, like LinkedIn's a real killer for that. If you put a description, if you put a URL in a post, you know, it's practically going to go to hardly anyone. And I think people think, you know, oh, you put the link. But it's so interesting what you said, because on YouTube, people have said that to me. I wonder if you should put a link in the description because, oh, the algorithm won't like you because they'll see that you're sending someone away. But what you're saying is, well, it's not it does it knows that you send people away because it sees that every time they watch something of yours you took them off youtube like right. you did that so it's it's cleverer than just spotting a little link in a description isn't it it goes it goes be it goes to behavior actual noticed behavior right and to make this analogy mm. even weirder um i think <laughs> i think the other thing is this right it's it's you'll notice if you ever watch If you ever watch anybody who's really good at anything, watch what they're doing, not what they're saying. It's Mm. it's more like, okay, I, I have a micro call to action in the first one third of the video. You wouldn't know that unless I just told you. Or if you're paying attention, you'll notice in the first one third of the video, I ask people to like or subscribe or to comment below on what's on their mind at this moment before I deliver the content. I get people to do something at the party before I ask them to do anything else. So usually that type of engagement, whether it's LinkedIn engagement, YouTube engagement, Instagram engagement, when I'm asking you to do something to further engage the piece of content you're on right now, that's like going to the party host and being like, hey, before we go to the after party, we're going to help you clean up. We're going to help you plan the next one. We're going to help you make sure that you have all these people on the guest list next time. You're trying to show the platform that you still show love and you are growing that rapport because the majority of those people are not going to leave the platform. YouTube viewers just love to hang out on YouTube. It's just the bottom line, unless they're not a YouTube viewer and they found your video in another capacity like Google search. But when you then go to the after party or when you then in that occasion say, yeah, we're dropping a link in this caption, it's not as frowned upon because you have done things to give back to the party host. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I, I love that analogy. Um, and I, I, I agree with you completely. And what you just said in terms of if you want to really look at improving your skills with all of this and you want to learn from a master then study what people do so people need to study what you do this is my this is my um 
takeaway for everyone listening to this right now who wants to get um better at youtube um subscribe to amy's channel follow what amy does look at i love it she you. is the master so um that really is the cta of this episode then to 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 go and, and and study what you do because you're doing it right clearly and you know exactly what you're doing so <laughs> um and i guess i guess that's a a, a good kind of lead into thank you for coming on the show but before I do I just want to ask you one more question which is if somebody's just listening right now and they don't have a YouTube um, channel or they don't have much going on and they're thinking of, of, of kind of reinventing it again what would be just your one like one kind of killer tip for um, starting on YouTube for trying to rock a YouTube channel to turn the camera on immediately Look at the lens of the camera like it's a person. Talk to a person. Don't talk to yourself. Don't talk to your mom. Don't talk to your best friend unless that's your avatar. Don't talk to millions of people. Don't talk to zero people. All of those things are unnatural. For you to talk to someone over coffee about how you can help them, that's natural. All you're doing is sitting down and having a coffee with somebody. So the more you look at the lens or talk to a microphone or whatever it is, like that person is actually sitting with you right now and you're telling them a story, it feels like I'm sitting down with you right now and we're just talking this out. That is the difference between an amateur and a masterful creator. I absolutely love it. Thank you. <laughs> you heard it there on the Content 10X podcast. That's such a good tip. So thank you. Um, so um, I, obviously I will put links to everything for you in the uh, show notes for everybody listening. But um, could you just let us know where, where should we go to connect with you? Obviously YouTube, but, <laughs> but I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. If you want to dive in a little bit deeper on this stuff, vlogbossuniversity.com is a great place to go. I've got a couple of course options there for you to check out. Um, but I really strongly recommend you just start on YouTube. And if it's a space that you're serious about, stop thinking about what you want to do on it as much as you're recognizing what it's like to be a creator there, what it's like to be a viewer there and how you can fit into the party, but also be able to stand out. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Amy. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Amy. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe if you haven't already and even leave a review. That would be really appreciated as well. Now to let you know, my new book, Content 10X, More Content, Less Time, Maximum Results is now available to purchase. You can get that over on Amazon or if you head to content10x.com forward slash book. I'm getting loads of really great reviews coming in from the book already. So thanks so much to those of you who've already purchased it and left reviews. It really is the ultimate guide to content repurposing and you can discover all sorts of tips and tricks for how to repurpose pretty much any type of content in the book. If you're interested in our fully end-to-end -end content repurposing service, then head on over to content10x.com as well, where you can find out lots about that. And also give me a follow over on social media. I'm at content10x on all of the social media platforms. So again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.